and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. It's me, Kate Borsay, here on this chilly December morning. It's freezing, isn't it, at the moment? Spare a thought for frozen pitches and players with gloves on their hands. More on that in just a minute. Well, this is the week that saw the biggest scoreline in WSL history. 22 goals across four matches and Willie Kirk reaches his year anniversary at the Everton Hell. here to help me through it all the duo who guided you through that massive goal fest at meadow park it's commentator robin cowan hello hello there and your very abled right hand woman (laughs) or left footed right footed the very able laura bassett welcome to the show laura thank you i only had one foot and that was the right one the left one was definitely for standing (laughs) on she was keeping count yesterday she was absolutely invaluable she had the abacus out. It, we well, needed it. Yes, it was a bit like that. You needed more than two hands to count the scoreline, didn't you, for Arsenal yesterday? Um, we're going to be, of course, going through goal by goal, that complete score fest in just a moment. But um, I want to know, Bass, what you've been up to. We've, we've sort of lost you to America for a while. I know your, Mark, your partner, Mark Skinner, obviously in charge at Orlando Pride. So you were over there kind of on maternity leave, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Um, just trying to get to grips with motherhood and everything that comes with it. And it's just been the biggest challenge of my life so far I thought that pre-seasons were hard but motherhood as you know Kate is yeah on a, on a different level so yeah just been trying to settle in but but then obviously I went to the World Cup and yeah. covered, uh, with the BBC so that was amazing with Robin Robin took me under her wing and <laughs> showed me the ropes the of it now. <laughs> we have this lovely partnership here in the studio now Bass Bass was always booked in but Lindsay Hooper couldn't make today so we had to pick the perfect person to replace her and of course Robin's name came up because you're World Cup buddies commentary buddies of course and that's really really nice to develop that relationship as well, particularly if you're shuttling in, as you have done, Laura, to kind of work for a month and a half over the WSL. Yeah, that's right. And actually, we um, I meet Robin at Oxford, so I jump in a car and we have a good chin wag and it's kind of like, right, we get all that chatting out the way and all the niceties and all the little news, what we've been up to and stuff before we, you know, crack on with the football. So that actually, actually yes. you can't shut us up, really. No, it's really nice. It's really nice. No, and Abbas has been, she's just a fantastic co-commentator, so prepared. And also, I think, especially co-commentary is a difficult thing, a really hard, hard. thing to do mm. because you're reacting to things that are happening at the time Mm. and she spots things you can tell she's an ex-player a really experienced one she spots things that the average person like me wouldn't. Yeah, how do you work out that dynamic? Because for our listeners, of course, it's fascinating to know how a commentator and a co-coms work together. Do you have to decide in advance kind of who's going to do what or do you let Robin uh, sort of boss it and then you come in whenever she needs you to how, how, how does it work when you're doing that together yeah I think you boss it Robin don't you, you take <laughs> charge you know and you're really good at that and then Robin will bring me in ask questions and stuff and um but yeah I think my the toughest thing is like you know the player will be entering into the final third so it's a, a, you know an a- attacking gonna be goal and you just kind of like right so I'm halfway through a question and you're like right I've got a short now I need to just yes. end this end this answer to bring you back in Robin and that that's some of the difficulties like that's that, one that of the hardest things but it's basically I do the sort of descriptive bit and yeah. Bass is there to add the expertise which he's so good at. So if you, because I sometimes have a last minute panic whenever I'm covering games as to who scored and whether I've got it right or wrong because you're desperate to get the tweet out or perhaps someone's coming to you. So you don't have to deal with that last minute panic of what on earth happened here? <laughs> well it depends doesn't it? If there's a big scramble in the box and we weren't sure actually one of Miedemar's goals, which we'll come on to, we were, I thought it would be go down as an own goal of Frankie Brown, but actually it wasn't awarded to her, so she got a double hat-trick. So that was, that was a awesome. bit tricky. you know. But there, there are situations like that in every game of football, isn't there? 
There certainly is. Uh, Sadie's going to be one soon, right? That's right, Wednesday. So the offside rule of, in the tradition of opening presents on air, we had Faye's 40th birthday the, the other day. So this oh. is just just a little gift from the offside rule. Oh, thank you very Sadie. much. I'm sure Bass is thrilled to be taking more luggage back. <laughs> can I open it now? Or? Yes, of course oh. you can. Happy birthday, set! Oh, that is gorgeous. <laughs> Look at that. You'll have to describe it for our for our very non-visual podcast. It is a, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> a very it's furry a, dinosaur. It's a, oh, it's a green it's so sort cute. of teal dinosaur when, with a red uh, trim on it. Yes. Oh, it's Thank beautiful. Anything cuddly, she just give a cuddle yeah. and a kiss to. So that is cute. So Thank in the spirit of non-pink fluffy things for girls, I think a Love dinosaur, it. you know, just about says it. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, last week we accused Arsenal of not scoring enough. Well, now they can't stop. Need a mark. From Liam Williamson. Here's me to Mar. It's three. Never in doubt. It's shut in. Vivian Miedemar. Evans, Miedemar. Oh, I think that's going to go down as an own goal in the end. Miedemar again. No mistake. Miedemar. Knobs. It's Another chance. Miedemar. 8 0 to Arsenal. Lisa Evans, 9-0, stays down, it's another for Miedemar, and that is 10, Mitchell, 11. Well, that's all 11 of Arsenal's goals in less than a minute. Are you sick of saying Miedemar, Robin? Miedemar, Miedemar, again, Miedemar, Miedemar, Miedemar. It's another for Miedemar. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, maybe. But no, it's a great name. It's a great name to put your some welly behind. And you know what? I think I'm going to be saying it a few more times, I think, between now and the end of the season. It certainly is. I mean, what a fantastic performance. This from Opta Joe. Vivian Miedemar has been directly involved in all 10 of Arsenal's women's goals uh, versus Bristol City, of course, in the WSL. Uh, six goals, four assists for Miedemar. The previous WSL record for goal involvements in a single match before today was five, also by Miedemar versus Liverpool in September 2018. It finishes with absurd. Hashtag feed the Viv. Uh, <laughs> what can we say about Miedemar that hasn't already been said? I don't well, let's wait until she's 24, see what see what stats she can break. <laughs> I don't know. Just that it's so exciting. Like you say, everything's been said before and uh, the, the special thing about her is that she just takes it in her stride. Nothing phases her. She's so humble. She's enjoying herself. And yeah, it's like she rolls up and this is what to ex- be expected. Uh, yeah, and like it's easy. It's literally like she rocks up five minutes before a game, puts on a kit, strolls out onto the pitch and just does the stuff. Uh, well, let's hear from Miedemar herself. She's been speaking with friend of the show, Tim Stillman. You said to me a few weeks ago you didn't feel um, quite fully at it fitness and sharpness-wise. Are you feeling a bit closer now? I do feel a bit closer, but I also can't wait for Christmas holiday. So, <laughs> I mean, it's three more games and we need to focus. We need to get, obviously, six points in the league and we need to win a league, uh, league Cup game. And that's our main focus. And then we can rest and, yeah, let's see you in the new year again. And Joe uh, sprung a bit of a surprise by going three at the back today for the first time in a little while. What was the thinking behind that today? I think, obviously, like what you saw in the game today as well, we had a lot of ups to go 
going forward and it really create like more space for us and I think after playing Bristol last time we kind of knew where we had to get them and that's what we done today with the feedback and I mean we've got the plays that we can play three we can play four and yeah it just yeah it really helps us I think and did you have the conversation before the game about goal difference because Manchester City and Chelsea have been scoring a lot recently and Arsenal have kind of fallen behind not on points but on goal difference did you have that discussion at all to be fair not really before the game but obviously at halftime like we did say it to the girls we were like okay this is one of the games that we probably do need to work on our goal difference and we've done that second half as well and I think it's really easy to play a good first half drop off second half but I think we we kept the level up and yeah we scored even more goals in the second half Vivian Miedemar speaking with us blogs Tim Stillman friend of the show there uh, Robin, she did note that goal difference, didn't she? So it was something on their minds, albeit not maybe before the game, but certainly at halftime. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting what she said there because that's been a big talking point. We talked about it ahead of the game, didn't we? And then obviously the priority is three points. And once they knew at halftime they were 5-0 up, they were going to get them. And I think Joe Montemiro went, right, now's the time. We need to actually put the put our foot down. And unfortunately, because of that reason... Bristol City fell victim to that. They, they were just relentless. Did. So goal difference, Arsenal on 19, Man City on 17, Chelsea on 15. And we did have a bit of a go at Arsenal last week. Probably me, I had a bit of a go. I got a bit of abuse on Twitter for this. Just the fact that they need to keep an eye on goal difference because that could very well decide the WSL title. Right, Bass? Yeah, and you're talking to someone who has lost the um, the. Premier League it was called, wasn't called the WSL then many years ago when I played. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, exactly. But when I was playing for Chelsea, we lost the league on goal difference, so it hurts. It, it is massive, and you know they achieved that objective yesterday. And sometimes you go into a game wanting to get the three points, but if you're playing that well, you're that informed, and, it, and it's organic, then it, then it needs to be verbalised exactly like what Vivian Miedemar said at half time. And, and why not push for more? That's the right place, the right time to do so. Miedemar spoke after the game as well about how really Arsenal have. I don't know whether it's imitated or whether it's just, you know, this is how it's been set up. But she's able to play for them like she does the Netherlands with those with that support from the wing, whether it's DVD um, and Jill Rod for the Netherlands or again, DVD um, and Lisa Evans, Beth Mead coming in for Arsenal as well. Is that what's key to her performances, the support that she gets from the wing? Yeah, definitely. I think that, obviously, like you said, she highlighted that. But also yesterday when Miedemar was assisting, you found her roaming out onto the right-hand side, to the mm. left-hand side. And, and we've what was so impressive, her assists, right and left foot, her, her crosses, the technique that she was able to deliver under pressure was just, it was just sensational. So, yes, it does, but it also with the rotation, you know, Arsenal was so fluid yesterday, so interchanging positions. They were comfortable in any area that they picked up in the pitch. So, yes, I think maybe in, in some of the more competitive games, she does like to be central and operate. You know she's deadly in that 18-yard box. But in the games maybe where it is a tough opposition to break down, she has that freedom to roam yeah. too. Arsenal were saying after the game well, that they were surprised that there was no plan B from Bristol City in the second half, that they didn't seem um, to come out and do anything different. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because Bass was saying, actually, overall, bottom line, Bristol City were just too passive the whole game. We were trying to figure out, well, first of all, there's no yellow cards. We don't see many cards, do we, in the WSL anyway? But I think I could count how many fouls they made, probably on one hand. I don't know exactly, but they were just letting it happen, weren't they? Yeah, it, it, like you say, it was so passive as a lack of aggression. It, I didn't even really see any much frustration. You know, you normally see a player kicking the ball away mm. or, the, you know, body language, some anger and fight. And, you know, you look at it is a young team, um, you know, having lost some players to injury, Abby Harrison, for example. But, you know, you, you question the leaders, you know. Um, I know Frankie Brown and Lauren Dykes have, you know, 
consummate professionals you know they take their job very serious but maybe a lot of a lot of pressure and responsibility is falling on their shoulders but you know you really need leaders it doesn't matter you you know it doesn't matter you can be a young leader for example but just some some people to get together and, and drive the team forward I just think Tanya Oxterby, they did so well last season. I think they overperformed, finishing sixth. They were hard to beat, and I think maybe she's trying to take them to that next level, and it's just not clicking at the moment. She thinks she wants to be a bit more expansive, but obviously they're paying the price for that, and their defensive solidity is suffering. Yeah, Tanya Oxterby said after the game, actually, that was completely unacceptable. Uh, Next games for them, Birmingham and West Ham, both at home. So it's the second week of big scorelines. We were chatting a little bit before we started recording. Of course, 11-1 in this one we saw 6-0 to Chelsea last week we've seen a couple of 5-0 results for Manchester City and as we go into the season now after eight games we're now starting to see these swelling score lines Laura but we we really don't want to return to those days do we where where these teams tend to branch off and just I mean I mean it feels intimidating yeah that's right um and that's like me and Robin found it quite awkward didn't we to 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 commentate on yesterday and it's not but I just think that we have the top teams the top three teams have their vision is totally different to the rest of the the teams and maybe the the Manchester United's Tottenham um, Reading West Ham will get there but I just think that you know the top three teams in our league are looking to attract players by players to win the Champions League that is different maybe to a lot of the team's vision in the WSL and that's where we're seeing the gap and that's right for those clubs at that time to do so you wouldn't want to stop that but you know we've got to a stage now where our league is competitive and you you wouldn't want to take that away and we we you know mm-hmm. we have the visibility there and we have people watching um but i just think if if these increasing score lines are if it is going to keep happening are we going to drive fans away but then you know the way that arsenal suited themselves yesterday was so professional and they did the yeah. job and that's what they needed to do in that circumstances so it, it it's a, it's a difficult one, but... You can justify it like that, can't you? Because it was a 1-0 win for Arsenal last week. And, of course, they've had this huge scoreline. The Chelsea game was postponed. We'll get on to that in a minute. City have had a couple of 5-0 results, but, again, lower on the goal front this week. So I guess if it's if it keeps being hodgepodge, then perhaps we can get away with it. But if one team or two teams start to consistently provide mm. those high scorelines, that's when I think we have to think very carefully about it. And it could be about the fact depth of squad for the Champions League. It's also about fitness, of course, full-time professionals, and it's about budget and it's about what's going on behind the scenes to help a team last the season. Well, there were three other matches at the weekend, so let's get into those. Manchester City remained second after a 1-0 victory against Liverpool. Ex-Reds captain Gemma Bonner gave City the win, heading in Caroline Weir's deep free kick in the 20th minute. And as a result, we got this tweet in from Phil Fort. Thank you. Uh, Hope you will take back the criticism of Arsenal only beating Liverpool 1-0 after today's results for Arsenal and Man City. Liverpool clearly pretty good defensively, just problems in front of goal. Robin. Spot on. I think I think it does show actually that Liverpool are a tougher nut to crack than it looks like. And if you look at the table, obviously the points isn't great for them, but goal difference may just save them if they can get that win or a little just a few more points because it's now vastly superior to the teams just above them like Bristol City and like Birmingham. So actually that's a really good result for them. Obviously it's a defeat, and if they can just get that potency in front Mm. of goal they could actually make something of this season they missed quite a few opportunities they missed one against Arsenal which was massive and then they missed another one very similar wasn't it against Manchester City at the weekend so they just need to start firing in front of goal and 
maybe they'll be able to climb off the bottom. Yeah, so they did rally in the second half, Liverpool. They could have equalised. This is probably one you're talking about through Neve Fahey's header. Mm. Um, Melissa Lawley, I thought, was very good as well yesterday. Where are we at with Liverpool as far as you're concerned, Laura? Because, of course, you know, being that you have, you know, a great association with the WSL, you, you played in it for, for several years, you saw Liverpool's dominance. What's your take on what the club need to do to turn this around? Yeah, it's been really interesting because I look at their squad of players and the wealth of WSL experience is vast. Um, and they have leaders in there, the players I've played with, Sophie Bradley, obviously Jess Clark is injured, so she would be another one to add in. But... You know, you look at it and you just think that the players, you know, that the certain the experience is there. You know, to lose one nil five times this season is um, is an incredible stat. So obviously they're competitive in games, like you said. But we all know in football, the hardest thing to do is to score a goal, and yeah. I know it, it really is. And I suppose, and then when you it's a, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy when you when you know you have a voodoo and you can't score goals, and everyone's trying so so hard, and your focus is on that. It has the reverse effect. So, but yeah, it is really interesting how kind of you like you say how the dominance of Liverpool. Um, back before the WSL when yeah. the, and, and how times have changed and other clubs have, have, have gradually overtaken them. And it's been sad, to be honest, because they have a rich history, especially yeah. in women's football. But I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not too privy to the information of yeah. how well-resourced and how well-backed. Obviously, we saw the pre-season Tour to America, which was brilliant. Um, you know, was that for social media terms or was that... what? How, I think so. I um, you know, I've been really happy to call out, you know, I am a Liverpool fan and that goes for men's and women's. And I, I am still really upset with the club for not taking this situation by the scruff of the neck and adding in resource. How easy would it be? And forgive me if I'm speaking out, out of turn here, but with all the resource at Liverpool, how easy would it be to deflect some of that resource, whether it's working, you know, whatever they need, whether it's fitness, whether it's some sports science, whether it's a psychologist, whatever they need, can that not be, you know, siphoned from the men's club? who I'm sure can spare someone, even if it's just on a part-time basis or even if it's for, for you know a few hours a week to help address this. Vicky Jepson said afterwards, the Liverpool manager, there's no panic from us. We'll keep searching for that win. And they do actually remain optimistic. And I suppose if there's one thing that Liverpool can say, when Bristol are you know conceding 11 goals in a game and it's called unacceptable, at least after a, a 1-0 loss against Manchester City, Vicky Jepsen can be a bit more upbeat and say, look, I trust the players. I think it's coming. It's just eight games without a win. When do you run out of patience? Yeah. And it will be interesting to see if the funds are made available to Vicky Jepsen to maybe bring in a player or two in, in the January window. And not um, like, I've, obviously, I know I've just said that the the players that they have are very competitive and have a wealth of experience but sometimes just a fresh face fresh personalities coming in can give you that impetus that you need like I say get Jess Clark back from injury um, just a different impetus and a different vibe but it will be interesting to see if those funds are yeah. made available too and how serious they are about staying in the staying in the league well that would be telling won't it if we see them bring in new faces in January that might answer your question Kate just one other little line from that game Rinsola Babajide declared herself unfit after the warm-up and you could tell Vicky Jepsen her quote was very diplomatic mm. but reading between the lines I think she was quite upset with that so I'm not sure what actually happened there but she's a big player for them she adds something different with her pace and her finishing ability yeah. so I'm not absolutely sure if all is well 
Well, can I suggest that that maybe isn't a clever thing to do if you're playing at Manchester City in front of nearly 2,300 people? You know, if you're not happy and if you want to move on or whatever the situation is, then why would you deny yourself that opportunity? Uh, the attendance for the next one we're going to look at, at 1,736 were there to see at West Ham subject to another turnaround game, this time in their favour. Katarina Banauk with two late free kicks as the Hammers came from behind to beat Manchester United 3-2. Big result for this one then. Two goals in the first three minutes. Uh, Kirsty Hansen with her third for United this season. Then the response from Laura Vetterlein. Uh, but when United's Lauren James tucked away to make it 2-1 with 10 to go, it looked like it was going to be another bad day at the office for West Ham. But all was rescued uh, thanks to Katarina Baunau. So a good day for West Ham. Is this the point that they can start to build on, do you think, Laura? Yeah, I think this is the performance and result that we've all been waiting for. I think they they themselves and every, all the fans watching watching West Ham know that they're capable of producing this, this great result because previously they've been so inconsistent. But I think, I for me personally, the key to this is getting Martha Thomas back on the pitch. She hasn't been available and what a key signing she has been for the league as well. Like She's come out of nowhere yeah. um, and, and just hit the ground running. That first goal against Arsenal the opening day was just, will just etch in my memory forever and that's kind of what you picture on now but yeah the, she's you know she's your focal point she's your striker and you just I just think she's been a big addition for that and helped that win yesterday yeah the risk of sounding like Brendan Rogers, they showed really good character didn't they <laughs> um, because me and Bass did their game against Manchester City where they just capitulated they were awful and it was a 5-0 defeat and then of course the following week 2-0 up against 10 players and they lose 3-2 yeah so this was big for them, wasn't it? Yeah. Huge. It's true, though. As a player, if you have been on the end of those results the last couple of games, you do that first goal goes in. So, and so you and you think, think, not again. Not again, please, not again. And, and you know everyone's thinking it in their head and you don't say anything mm. out aloud... But, it, you know, it certainly it wasn't, that wasn't the case yesterday. They and were ready for it. It's interesting because when you've got Matt Beard at the helm and Jilly Flaherty and a few of her cohort as well, you know that they're up for a fight, right? You know it's going to be fiercely contested. And there are certain points in the game, I'm sure, where Jilly is like, we are not having mm-hmm. this. And Beard is the same. So I'm going to move on to the second game in a row for West Ham where they've been involved in off-field incidents and ask whether that's starting to spill over a little bit too much against uh, Reading. Reading had Rachel Rowe sent off. Now, that was Reading's player, of course, but they were involved in an altercation with West Ham's players. This time, Leanne Kiernan was dismissed uh, just before 90 minutes for West Ham, again involved in an, in an on-the-field tussle. Four yellows for West Ham, three yellows for Man United, and, of course, that red for West Ham as well. So are there discipline issues here? What does this tell us about the team, Laura? Yeah, you could. I mean, look, we've all been in situations where we where you get over aroused, your emotional control. Having Obviously, that, that game yesterday was so emotional. The momentum swung mm. from team to team. So you're up, you're down, you're highs, you're lows. You're, you're just going through all the emotions. So it is. But also what it does show to me is that they care. That, like that's what we when referring back to Bristol, it was just they were so passive. But when you have this emotion, oh, ideally, you know, you don't because it, there was physical shoving involved in both games. And I'm, I guess, I'm questioning. Yes, but, I know that West Ham want to win, but at what point does this become? you know, the point where they say, actually, this is getting a little, a little bit too feisty now. Yeah, yeah, I see your point, but I think just by their their journey so far in the WSL this season. 
you know, they don't want to be passive. They don't want to, you have to earn the right to play football. You have to earn the, you have to match the physicality side. So yes, and sometimes these young players, they do get it wrong. And again, like Beardy has known his teams have been physical, competitive, especially his experience in the NWSL. It's a physical, physical lead. And you know, you need to bring that week in, week out. So we'll see how that pans out, whether, whether it is a, a a theme. Mm. Well, next up, West Ham are away to Liverpool and Bristol City. So a real opportunity now for West Ham to build on this. Well, we had some Friday night football as Brighton played Reading. It was Brighton's lowest attendance so far in this season's WSL. But full credit to the 510 fans who showed up on a chilly night to watch the game against Reading. Brighton were 2-1 up for much of the game. It took an injury time equaliser from Reading's Remy Allen to rescue a point. So some good stuff from Brighton in this one, Bass. Yeah, really good. I think, um, you know, I think they showed... Really good discipline, especially that second half. They were under a lot of pressure. Reading hit the crossbar twice. But I was explaining to Robin yesterday what I was really disappointed with. In the 93rd minute, Brighton was still 2-1 up. Nat Keel had the ball on the right-hand side and Eni Umatong made a run across her and was pointing in the corner. Let's go the corner. You could see Hope Powell standing there pointing to the corner. Nat Keel obviously had uh, something else on her mind, took a touch and took a shot at goal straight to Grace Maloney. Now, I'm not saying that incident is at fault for conceding that second goal because there was a lot of opportunities to defend it better, obviously. But it did concede to Grace Maloney yeah. going down the pitch, conceding the corner, and obviously we know the rest. So, But I just mean, you know, it's a sign of naivety. The leaders need to take control of that situation because a three points against Reading on that night would have been huge for would them. Would have been massive. Robin, this is Reading to a T for me. You know, Farrah Williams was uh, the first on the score sheet for them, scored straight from a corner. She was involved in the second in the equaliser for Reading as well. Her cross allowed Remy Allen to get into the back of the net. And that's the note with Reading, isn't it? And that's actually something that you could apply to a lot of teams in this league. If you get your set pieces right and if you're organised, you can rescue points, you can get the results. I think that's a theme that's come through every single game, maybe bar Arsenal, because obviously Reading won it with a set piece. Farrah Williams, left foot, right foot, she's absolutely pinpoint. And then, you know, we've got Manchester City won it with a set piece, Gemma Bonner's header, and West Ham United, all three of their goals were scored by set pieces against Manchester United. So it just shows how important they are. Yeah, yeah. So something there for perhaps the struggling teams to have a look at. You're listening to the Offside Rule, WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, the Birmingham-Tottenham game has been postponed to Wednesday night. Birmingham City have alternated between a loss and a win in their last five WSL home games. Uh, Last time out, they recorded their biggest ever defeat in the competition against Chelsea. So they're coming off that uh, 6-0 loss. Uh, Tottenham have suffered back-to-back defeats for the first time in the WSL following their uh, 3-1 defeat at Everton last weekend. Laura... With your history of Birmingham, uh, we know that you played for the side for a good few seasons. Uh, They're in 10th, three points uh, with just the one win recorded so far this season. So give us your take, your assessment. I just think it's they're going through a huge transition. Um, And I think also getting injuries to key senior players... Um, hasn't helped at all. Kerish Harrop hasn't been available. Bree Vasali hasn't been available. Sarah Malin, Rachel Williams recovering from a ACL and, and having a few issues coming back there. Heidi Logan, a, a young, bright talent who's got a huge potential, unfortunately done her ACL. So it's just those 
and, and what's happened, the knock-on effect of that, you've got Harriet Scott playing at centre-half, you've got all these different, Connie Schofield, who's a great talent centre midfielder, playing up front. So And then they can do their job very well, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't, it has a knock-on effect to everybody else. And all of a sudden, you're trying to put... Uh, round holding square pegs if that's the saying or if it's the other way around square I always, around yeah, yeah whatever, whatever you know you know what I'm trying to say stepping in for Lindsay Hooper there with your odd, oh, yeah. odd mix, of, mix of phrases <laughs> um, but yeah I just think transition and then you know the, the, the squad depth isn't there they are mm. heavily reliant on youth um, so if, if, if Birmingham can get their senior players back fit healthy you know they will be competitive in this league mm. you know with the fight and with the character and what, what we pride ourselves on well, do you know what? It's a good job that Laura's brought her other half into the studio today because we've just shipped him in. Mark Skinner, Orlando Pride coach, but also, of course, former Birmingham City manager. Mark, it's lovely to have you here. And it's, it's, it's great to have kind of, I know you're not husband and wife, but you'll forgive me for saying kind of a hubby-wife combo here in the studio. <laughs> it, is, it is a first for us. We're as good as I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. It's, uh, it's an honour to be here. Mark, let's bring you into this then on Birmingham. I know you're you know, very, very experienced with, with the club and you've seen what's happening to the W. USL this this season from afar of course in charge of an NWSL club what's your take on Birmingham and and, and, and really what they have to do if you bear in mind what's happened to the rest of the league this season uh, I think there's been an, uh, an exponential growth within the, the game in such a short period of time and I think most teams will have a strategy to compete with that. You see Arsenal, Manchester City and uh, and obviously Chelsea, they're, they're looking to always progress. I think it's been tough for Birmingham. They have and Birmingham always have had a wonderful way of bringing young uh, English talent into the league. And it's almost a birthplace for that. Now, the only sad thing is, is that obviously with, with youth comes the time. You need time in order to bed yourself in to get some experience. And, you know, against Chelsea, they've found out. But in the other games, have been, they've been pretty competitive. Laura mentioned the players that are missing and those would be key in any end of, in any FAWSL team or NWSL team so, <laughs> um, you know, so but but for me I think that I think that they've got the right Birmingham have always had the right ethos they they know who they are they know mm. what they can do mm. And I think given a little bit of time, these players, you know, I watched the Chelsea game as a young right back who who has played centre-half through the youth age, uh, Lily Simkin, and to see her 16-year-old who matured physically and competed really well. She was a standout player for Birmingham. And if you, I think you change your scope and your lens when you look at these, these teams. And I think the growth for those will be the development of young yeah. players. And let's be honest... <laughs> The, the top teams in terms of finances steal those players. Yeah. So, and also facilities as well, right? Because you saw, absolutely, you, you know, of course, if you've got players like Ellen White, she is going to go to one of the top three, three or three or four sides. I think it's 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 up to Birmingham, isn't it, to try and keep track with that as we start to see the top three teams, four teams possibly break off. Of course. Let's talk about your season in the NWSL. I know it's been a tough one yep. at Orlando Pride, so. What are your targets for this off-season? How are you um, looking to, I guess, address and start afresh next season? Of course. Well, it, it was, it's tough. I think, you know, I had a, a brand new staff. Literally every member of staff within the club was, was, was new to the league. So I think it's taken a lot of time for us to to get to the grips with the extreme competitive nature of that league. You know, I think we were discussing earlier about the, the competitive competitive nature of this league and the French league. And and then I look at the NWSL and anybody can win a game on their, on their day. Yeah. And that's so that's different part. to the 
to the to the WSL in, in that you've got nine very, very competitive teams. Very, anyone very. can go anyone else, whereas in the, in the WSL, we, we are starting to see kind of a couple of super teams emerge. Yeah, and I think if you look at the, the just the distances you have to travel to an away game, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in Orlando, I think it's three and a half thousand mile around, like trip to there and then, six, you know, three back. So... So you look at that distance and there's there's definitely an advantage in the different climates. You don't get a climate change in England, whereas there's definitely a climate change from Orlando to Seattle. So yeah. so you look at all those, just those little key intricate details and and that's what we've got to be better prepared for. We've got to recruit the players. I think we only added in three players last season and being a World Cup year, no, none of the NWSL teams would have wanted to trade their assets away. Yeah. So we understand that. Now I think it's a little bit more of a fresher approach. Yeah. We need to recruit our own players. We're doing that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm already looking. I have been halfway through the last season, and um, and then I just change. And the you're hanging on up. to Marta because you. I, I mean, Absolutely. when we discuss players, we forget that 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 you deal with Marta on a daily basis, which is incredible, really. But also yeah. players like Ali Krieger, Alex Morgan, as well. Yeah. Are you hanging on to those players? Do you know yet yet for the next season? Yes. Yeah. 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 So the the plan is to hang on to to as many of those players as possible. Yeah, we are hanging on to the three that you've just mentioned. Obviously, mm. Ashlyn Harris is one well, my yep. captain. Um, so you look at you look at those players and and their kin. And the thing I've found since the the, the, the key differences between the NWSL and the FAWSL is that the um, just the characters of these people because of their life experiences is they're phenomenal women. They genuinely are phenomenal women. And, and you know... Um, when Marta, that just to talk about the different characters, when you get a Marta in a training session, she's forever trying to to joke around in the off moments, in the down moments. So she's the smiliest person you could ever imagine. You wouldn't admit, you wouldn't see that because she's so competitive. Yeah. She wants to win everything, but when she's on the field or when she's in training, she's the the, the most beautiful character. That you know, it's it's been it's been really good for me and, and kind of my career and kind of I'm inspired by working with these really yeah. strong women yeah. you know I'm lucky enough to, to to have Laura as a really strong woman in my life and obviously my daughter but um, I'm kind of blessed a little bit to be around mm. these people and, and see their growth as well. So these senior players of course a huge part of your team what was it like because you had a few games didn't you after the World Cup was over what was it yes. like um, after that World Cup was there a bounce? Was there because we know how competitive yeah. USA were, and they bossed that tournament, didn't they? they did. Really. So, they what was the feeling like when when the players were back? Um, as much as obviously watching as a, an England fan in the in the World Cup, to watch America, you say that they bossed it. So, and I've come to know that from the nature of the players that are already over there, they are a different level of people and so on that I think, you know, we'll aspire to be like. Yeah. But is, is it a different level of competitiveness? Yeah, it's the it's it's the most competitive league with the most competitive people. Um, and so, so I look at it and then you come back to the league after the World Cup and there's just such a buzz. I've never known so many... Our players are always the first to stay out for autographs and so on, but it's just forever, forever, forever because, you know, that's the beauty of the women's game. They give back... Like that, that's the beauty. It's a very much an interaction, mm. but the growth in kind of numbers and the people. We went to Portland, and just the amount of twenty, I think it's twenty-two thousand people packed into this stadium, and it's just like everywhere you go is a little different culture of, of how they see football and soccer in obviously in the states, and um, you're just energized. You go around that country and you are energized with what you see, and I think that. If, if you want to look at a model of, of how it works and the growth, the NWSL is definitely the model to look at because it's just, it's an interaction. 
it's very much a show and an interaction. I think that's the, the best way of putting it. Thank you so much for talking to us and best of luck for the rest of the Thank season. Mark Skinner, uh, Orlando Pride. Uh, head coach, are you? Head coach? Head manager? coach. Head coach, yeah, very much so. And also Laura's other half, which is why we've dragged him. Here <laughs> he thought he was studio. just coming down for shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if we've got footballers' power... If we've got footballing's power couple, we have to we have to have both of them in. Thank you very much. Thank Mark. you very much. This is the Offside Rule with me, Kate Borsay, joined by Robin Cowan and former England defender Laura Bassett here in the studio. Will this weekend mark the anniversary of Willie Kirk taking over at? to Everton. They should have been playing Chelsea to mark the occasion, but the pitch was frozen. Good news, though. We've managed to get Willie on the phone to talk about the season so far. Willie, welcome on to the Offside Rule. Thank you. Congratulations. A year with Everton. How do you rate your first year with the club? Yeah, I think it's pretty much been split into two. Obviously, as you, as you take over a club midway through the season, you know, you've got short-term objectives, especially the, the position we were in when we went in. We were bottom of the league, so it was all about Try to make sure we were still in the WSL. And then obviously your, your medium to longer term planning can start and as soon as that's secure. And then looking at the longer term and, and slightly higher objectives than just uh, survival. The team have been performing really well this season. You sit fourth in the league as it stands. It is a shame that you couldn't celebrate with a match. I just wondered whether it was disheartening for you that, that we still have to deal with frozen pitches at the top tier of women's football. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit frustrating. Uh, it'd be nice to obviously the game to go ahead, but you know I could I could totally understand Lucy's uh, Lucy's decision. Lucy Oliver, the referee, she she felt it was it was about eighty five percent of the pitch was okay, but there was just that little bit that was giving her some sort of discomfort in terms of the player safety. So you know we absolutely backed that. But yeah, it's, it's obviously disappointing that we're still getting frozen pitches at that level, but. Yeah, there, there, there's there's not too much we can do about that, I suppose, just now. Willie, from when you joined and obviously finished second from bottom last season, how surprised are you? Or are you are you overperforming so far in the league this season, in your opinion, or is this what you expected and what you wanted? That's a difficult one in terms of you know I would I would never say we're overperforming because I've got a lot of belief in the squad that we've put together and 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 I think I think we've got a number of players who should be operating at that level you know a top four or top five in the league but yeah we're probably a slightly ahead of, a slightly ahead of the line in terms of our longer term objectives uh, you know we believe that we can be a top four top five club but probably this year the target was more sort of mid-table somewhere between maybe six and eight if we're, if we're being honest in terms of where we are in terms of our budget but uh, yeah, I, I would I would hate to say that the players were overperforming because we do expect that level from them. I'm just obviously looking at your squad. Um, is it a conscious, you know, decision that you along your model that you recruit younger players? Is that do you prefer working with younger players rather than older players? Is that something that you believe will stand you in good stead in the WSL? Yeah, well, there's probably a couple of things to that, Laura. I think I think one is budget. <laughs> you know, I think to sign to sign experienced internationals obviously takes takes more money but I think I think part of my track record is I suppose developing squads I had a young squad at Hibs I had a young squad at Bristol so yeah I think that's part of I suppose my DNA is is, is bringing in players who are, are not fully developed yet and then and then adding those finishing touches to them and making them more complete players but yeah I, I wouldn't say I only enjoy working with younger players because we have got a sprinkling of experience in there you know we sing Tinny Corpola from the Finnish goalkeeper is 33. Uh, we've got Dan Turner who's 28. So, you know, we've got a sprinkling experience in there. 
But yeah, I would say that's probably something that I've got a proven track record in is, is developing young players. So it is definitely a young squad. Well, it's been really exciting to watch you um, and your, your team play, Willie. One, I suppose, negative of the season is the low attendances. You've got the WSL's lowest average crowds this term so far. Now, a lot of that's connected to the fact that you're playing in Southport. You're due to move to Walton Hall Park soon, I know, which is going to make a big difference. You're going to be back more towards Liverpool. Just tell us how the timing's going around that. Yeah, I mean, we ideally would have been there by now. There was a slight delay, I think. There was some planning permission which got blocked initially. But as far as I'm aware, that's all through now. Uh, we're looking at, I think, the end of February now. So the work will start very soon. Uh, I think it's a short a short build in terms of putting in the stands, putting in the turnstiles, the fencing, etc. So I think once you do get started, it'll, it'll, it'll turn around quite quick. But it's frustrating. You know, a club the size of Everton should not have yeah. the lowest attendance in the WSL. And actually, we've, we've probably got one of the lowest across both leagues, if you take the championship into consideration. And I just think a club our size, that should not be the case. And, and that's not a slight out of fans or anything, because I, I do believe that when we go to Walton Hall, we will get the numbers through the door. Southport is, is also a big factor in that. You know, I drive there sometimes myself thinking it's an away game because it's so far away. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Willie Kirk, Everton manager there. Well, on our Offside Rule Weekly edition, this section would be called Any Other Business. We've got some off-pitch news, and it's big news as well. The Guardian and the Offside Rule's collaborated Top 100 Female Players is launched this week. And to tell us more about it, the man in charge, he is a sucker for data, and he spends hours on this, and we are blessed that he does. Rich Laverty. Uh, hours doesn't put, push it even close. <laughs> Days, months, years months, of his life. Months, yeah. <laughs> um, Rich, tell us about the top 100 female players for any of our listeners who don't know about it. Yeah, so basically we started this four years ago now, I think, and basically we mirrored what The Guardian did originally with the men's. Um, I thought it was good to have something for the, the women's game that was similar. We worked off the exact same process, the exact same voting process um and then yeah they asked us obviously last year to collaborate they wanted to do a women's one um and obviously because of the fact that we'd basically stolen their idea it it made sense that it it kind of worked in our favor that they just decided to use ours because we like i said we did it the exact Mm. same way and And we also probably cost a lot a lot less than uh, getting the guardian to do it (laughs) probably yeah Um, but it does mean that, uh, that of course, we get um, to work with The Guardian um, and it also means that we can uh, hopefully grow it as well. I know you, you've spent an awful lot of time on this. We would like to know the winner. Ne- no, 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 we wouldn't. Uh, you're going to have to wait until The Guardian on Saturday for that. Um, but previous winners, 2016, Arda Hegerberg. Uh, Lika Martins was 2017. Penila Harder was last year. So is 2019 going to provide a surprise? Uh... Oh no! Hard, He's giving it away. It's hard. To, it's hard to know what to say without just saying who might have won or who hasn't. Okay. So, are um, there are there any surprises for you in the top five? If you just detach yourself away from the fact that you've been chewing these numbers for the last few months. No, I don't think there's any surprises in the top five. I think I think what was interesting this year was even though it was a World Cup year, I think there was a lot of candidates to win it. I think the other years, you know, you look at. Last year when there wasn't a tournament, Penelope Harder. You look at 2017, Lika Martins kind of yeah. didn't dominate the Euros, but like she had a, a massive say in it. And I think this year there's been so many players that have been so good, whether it was at the World Cup, whether it was in the league. 
and I think yeah, and I think the voting reflects just how close it was actually um, between the top three, particularly. So let's do a straw vote here in the studio. Robin Cowan, who would be your player of 2019 so far? I just love Vivian Miedemar. <laughs> I just love her. Can't but stop saying Miedemar. Yeah, I just can't yeah. stop saying it. But if I was to guess, I think it won't be her. It's probably going to be Sam Kerr. I would say. But I, I just love the girl. I just love her. She's so Miedemar. nonchalant. Yes. Yes. Look at her. She, she just, does, she just she gets on that, with it. She does that really brilliant non-female thing of appearing not to care. <laughs> whereas, great, yeah. whereas, whereas you could argue that a lot of women, I do it myself, I overly obsess and I overly care. Um, Laura Bassett, who's your pick? Okay, so I've been, well, I'm a big fan of Sam Kerr, having watched her a lot in the MWSL, but I think Megan Rapinoe will win it. Okay, Rich, tell us where we can find all the information we need on this. So we will be, I mean, obviously the, the panel is going out today um, and then tomorrow, Tuesday, the, the countdown starts. So we'll be pushing out the first 30, so from 100 down to 71 um, tomorrow morning and then the next 30 on, on Wednesday morning and then I think 40 down to 11 on Thursday morning and then Friday morning will be the top 10 and I think it's every day. After each section goes online, it'll be in the newspaper, I think, so Wednesday to Saturday will actually be in the paper itself. Well, it's a huge deal. Still the only people who produce a top 100 female players, and that's thanks to you, Rich. So thank you for your hard work on it, and we look forward to um, tweeting out and keeping all our followers across the action. Thank you. No problem. Just before we end, the FA Cup third round draw has taken place uh, and uh, sadly Southampton FC women did not get drawn to play Southampton women FC. <laughs> the ultimate derby, yes. isn't it? <laughs> what is the difference though? Well, we'll just sum this up by saying one is affiliated yeah. to Southampton Men's Club and one isn't. All right, that's it. We could go on, but we must stop before we run on throughout the afternoon, which I quite like to do, but I'm sure Laura has things to do, as does Robin Cowan. Um, you can keep everything, you can keep up with everything we're talking about on Twitter and Insta at Offside Rule Pod. And for the website, it's offsiderulepodcast.com. The top 100 players, by the way, will be published on our website as well as The Guardians, and it'll also be across Twitter as well. And a shout out to Martin Whiteley, who's been doing his women's Euro roundups. Really good uh, to catch up on what's happening across Europe in those pieces. Robin and Laura, thank you so much for coming in today. Laura, how do you rate your debut on the Offside Rule WSL edition? I don't know. You should be asking me. Well, I'm, I'm more than happy. I'm going away with presents. So. Going to, to <laughs> Where's my dinosaur? dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Robin. Next time. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us and we'll speak again next week. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com.